on episode four of the Insured Tech Geek podcast, talking all things business intelligence with R&D chief from JBK Labs, Graham Leslie. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives with our own research and development team into technology that we see is changing this industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the InsureTech Geek Podcast. I am your host, James Benham, and I'm joined this week by the illustrious R&D chief from JB Knowledge, JBK Labs, Graham Leslie. Graham, how's it going today? Hey, James. I'm doing wonderfully. And Graham, you're doing a little bit of uh, flip-flop. You're in the studio, and I'm in my summer studio. I know I'm in the captain's chair. Got some big <laughs> shoes to fill here. Watch out. Watch out. Graham taking over, man. That's awesome. <laughs> the pressure is on. Yeah, the pressure is on. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, you know, you and I have been working together for years, but it's uh, going to start being a regular thing with uh, you being uh, on talking about different topics. People have a hard time wrapping their brains around some of these topics. They talk about them. They listen to them. They make big multi-million, multi eight-figure, nine-figure, even million-dollar decisions around a lot of these topics, and they they just have a tough time even explaining what it is. And so we're going to help them uh, by explaining what these topics mean, what it means for them, how it impacts the insure tech space. And uh, you know, you uh, know, I can think of no better person you, than you to help me explain all this, Graham. Well, you know, I can talk about technology all day, and this is a technology podcast, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, this is a tech company, and we love talking about tech and love geeking out. So let's jump right in and just talk about BI, stands for business intelligence. Graham, what does BI mean? When I say the words BI, business intelligence, what does it mean to you? Just a, a basic lay definition. So, okay, to to me, business intelligence is, um, let's look at it from the perspective of an insurance company, right? So if uh, if I were to be asked at an insurance company, um, what's the most common injury cause for a claim? I'd probably know that off the top of my head, right? But what if I'm asked, uh, hey, what are the most common injury causes for claims in this particular state in this particular quarter of this year? Well, that I may not know off the top of my head, but business intelligence is a tooling to be able to to figure that out at a couple clicks on demand um, without needing to delegate to that to some team or take a lot of time researching that. And and historically, the way that companies would answer that question is through some type of report writing process, right? Yeah, exactly. Delegating that to some team who goes and does the research um, or to some IT department that, that goes and writes some code to figure that out, writes some queries. Yeah, so uh, knowledge of SQL kind of important back in the day to, to run these type of uh, data reports? And not just back in the day, but still today for a lot of companies. It is. That and Excel, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Excel. How we love that. Ah, oh, dear Excel. The cancer of modern business. Um, <laughs> Excel is it's really wonderful in many ways because it um, allows you to answer questions quickly. But it's terrifying in other ways because it allows you to incorrectly answer questions quickly. <laughs> That's always my hang up, Graham, is that 
Excel is a really great quick data analytics tool, but all too often you and I see it end up becoming an enterprise workflow solution, right? Absolutely. And especially when you have one question you can answer across, you know, a thousand different spreadsheets where the data is spread across all of those. Yeah, and then you, then you have a really big data integrity problem with Excel because you have you know tens of thousands of sheets, right? And and uh, how do you know they're all properly synced? And how do you know they're current? And how do you know which version is the most current? And it, it you you really can get yourself in a pickle if you're answering critical business questions by dumping it into thousands of tables and thousands of sheets and thousands of Excel files, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what was the predecessor to BI? So, I mean, we have, we have this back in the day, which was a Wednesday. Um, we ran reports by manually compiling information and using uh, calculators and adding tables and slide rules. And then we jump into software and uh, we have like the first spreadsheet that would, would you, would you argue the first spreadsheet is, is the beginnings of digital BI tools? <laughs> it depends on your definition, but yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, VisiCalc uh, is the first major spreadsheet that rolls out. Still operates. You can still download VisiCalc today. It'll still run in an MS-DOS emulator. Uh, it was a DOS-based spreadsheet tool, but really started to show the power of being able to import and correlate data. After the spreadsheet and before modern BI tools, we had this phase of report writers like... SQL Server Reporting Services and Crystal Reports. So how would you compare and contrast what reporting services SSRS can do and Crystal Reports uh, compared to a modern BI tool like we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so those those report systems are, are classified today as what we call traditional monolithic reporting systems. Uh, they're enormous tools that that combined all the different aspects of the analytics process into one big package that was really required some pretty knowledgeable folks to actually use. Um, you had a lot had to have a lot of knowledge of these systems to be able to to do the full process of analytics, which is, you know, taking all your different data sources, running them through a extract, transform, and load process into your your system and then building your reports and dashboards. Um, and and that was the predecessor to what we have today, which are more modern extraction and, and data platform services. Yeah, and this is back in the day when you had to actually really know a lot about the data structure. And so let's say you're an insurance expert and uh, you're in underwriting or you're in claims and you're trying to find, you know, what's driving my claim cost. You're going to have to actually know how your your entire claim data table is structured. You're going to have to write a lot of SQL. You're going to have to extract a lot of information, then import it, then massage it, then write a bunch of reports, then output those tables into some type of usable format and, and reporting. You know, Crystal Reports and, and, and reporting services, these were really powerful tools and, and you know, back when I started my career, they were they were a hot item. They were a hot commodity. You know what I mean? But uh, but when you look at how much work went into building them, and you look at modern tools, there was pre- a pretty big gap for the average everyday user, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not really something that was addressed until very recently. Yeah. So l- let's just talk about you know modern BI then. Um, you know, modern BI is about giving users a um, uh, an easy, easily usable data analysis tool that can help them make better decisions, right? So they're they're making better decisions. They're going in and they're able to form their own dashboards. Uh, what you're seeing is instead of like one-time, one-off reports, real-time dashboards and BI systems that will allow you to dig into the data behind them, right? So it's a 
it's a little bit of a shift in thinking um, to the the process of say, hey, we're going to instead of creating this report that runs every Monday at 7 a.m. and emails to people on a PDF, we're going to move to real-time dashboarding that pulls in even more data elements and then tries to help us make better decisions, right? So it's a what what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. Um, and and what it's really moving from is enabling IT professionals to create these kind of reports to enabling the actual business user. Um, and, and today, there's really two categories for these tools. Um, there's what we call extraction tools. These are tools like Power BI or Good Data or Tableau or SciSense. Um, and what they do is they extract all of your data from your, your data um, sources. And then these tools run the whole process of the ETL, the, the reporting, um, the ability to create those reports and dashboards. And then um, something that's that's often overlooked but pretty important is the authentication piece, right? If you're not going to print these out as PDFs and distribute them, how do you manage um, who actually has access to the right reports? Yeah, and, and you kind of like you you kind of like ran over like a little speed bump in the road. Let's let's go back and wind back and talk about ETL for a second, because ETL is a really big deal now with insurance carriers and TPAs. I mean, we're doing a lot of ETL work for them. We see a lot of ETL work going on for clients. Um, extract, transform, load. This is a concept where you're extracting data from systems, you're transforming data by modifying it, cleaning it up, and then loading it into a different system. Um, one of the really popular platforms out there is MuleSoft ESB, which is a, a really popular ETL tool, but there's a bunch of ETL tools. I mean, fundamentally, SQL Server Integration Services, SSIS, is an ETL tool too, right? Yep, absolutely. And so good BI systems that we've been evaluating, and we did this like three, just for, for listener land, we did about a three or four month evaluation project where we took a bunch of big modern BI systems like Power BI and SciSense and Tableau and Looker, and we we really ran through the paces. We got actual working copies. We built full systems with them. We did full piloted prototypes. And this was actually one of the really, really, really ridiculously big, to quote Derek Zoolander, ridiculously uh, good-looking features to some of them and ridiculously horrible features to some others was the ETL tool they used because there were some systems we used that were actually really, really complex to get even the most basic of information into, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if if you're an insurance enterprise, you don't have just one database, right? Like a software company might. We have lots of different databases and data sources. You've got information across lots of different types of databases. Your IT department has set up different tools you're utilizing. And that ETL process is, is pulling the data out of all those different sources, making it actually fit together in a way that it doesn't natively do because these companies don't necessarily integrate. And then loading it all into one place where you can you can commonly query data across all these different systems in a, in a uniform way. But just to show you where the rubber hits the road, we actually had cases where data imports that on on one system, let's, let's say, like, and one of the easier ones to use is Power BI, right? They've got a pretty easy to use uh, fairly dummy-proof import system. Um, and they've, the other thing that Power BI has is they have a, a lot of hooks into common da- public data sources that are already prefabricated, so you don't have to go and build your own data import. You can say, hey, I use this. Just point over there and get the data, right? So we, we would have an import that would take, let's say, an hour or an hour and a half to process and get into Power BI. And some of the other systems we tested, that same import would take what? like a, wasn't, a, wasn't there one case where it took like a week to get the data in? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the interesting things about these tools. You've got some some very new ones and some 
um, some tools that have been in the market for a long time, very mature, but just have some slower processes for how they do things. Um, it's a lot of a lot of pros and cons across the marketplace. Yeah, we did our pilot with uh, with insurance claim data too, and and so you're 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 doing some you know just fake data by the way it wasn't any any real data but we did we did a bunch of fake data imports and the the problem actually became with uh, with field names field blanks uh, special characters i mean we had to do a lot of manipulation to get it into some of these etl tools so if you're out there looking at bi or thinking about business intelligence uh, first consider there's a sea of difference there's a huge difference we see between some of these BI tools on how easy or difficult, how expensive or inexpensive, how labor intensive or not it is to get data into these systems. It can be a real grade A nightmare or it can be a cakewalk. And so it, it, that that has a huge impact because if, it, if it's easy to get data in the system, it's easy to parse complex data sets, then it's a, a much easier to use the system. So moving on from ETL, since we I kind of went back and like ran over that speed bump again, let's 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 keep talking about BI. What's a big differentiator um, between a BI system and a reporting system? Once you get through the ETL phase, your data's in. What's different? That's next. Uh, between a reporting and a, and a yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the big differences is um, actually building out those dashboards, right? Your reporting systems let you build out a, a simple report, but a dashboard is much more than that, right? So um, if you want an interactive da- uh, dashboard showing your your the status of a whole bunch of data altogether, so you can really at a glance understand how some aspect of your organization is running, um, that's a lot of different reports that you you tie together, integrate together, and provide. And then you want the ability to drill down into those, right? So if you're you're looking at some status of your claims, you want to be able to see claims um, within a certain state or um, to do with some particular um, causing injury. Um, the the dashboarding tools really tie all that together, and then you can delegate access to the right folks so people see what they're supposed to see. Yeah, and what's what for me was one of the killer features of BIgram. Like I saw it the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a killer feature. I have to have this. In particular, when you're like analyzing claim data versus policy data versus payroll data, let's just say that, right? Or uh, you're trying to really cross reference information and see cause and effect, and you're trying to say, hey when I change a variable over here, what happens over here is that in tool in, in really good power BI tools, um, like there, there's, there's, there's some queries in power BI. And and that was the first place I saw it. They're not the only BI solution that has this though. Um, you have the ability to cross reference your different widgets on your dashboard. So you can say, Hey, if I click on this element over here of let's say average days out or, or let's say, whether there's um, indemnity only or medical on work comp claims, or let's say a state, you know, I want to click on a state. The cool thing is you can cross-reference data widgets so that all of the other widgets around it update. So as soon as you click on on a state like like Texas, it'll automatically filter all of the other elements on that page if you configure it that way. You don't have to configure it that way, but you can, so that you're only seeing that same dashboard applied to the subset of data now which is really where, to me, you get into the power of BI because you're able to ask it a question and then get an answer. You can say, yeah, I want to just pick this element over here of claimant state and just pick Texas. And then I want to see all of the other uh, data widgets I built on this dashboard just for claimant states in Texas. I don't have to go write a new report. I don't have to go build a new dashboard. I can just click that element and it auto filters everything else. That's a That's a pretty powerful part of BI, huh? Absolutely, and and it's it's um, 
that that dashboard consists of all the questions you want to ask, right? So it's not just asking one question at a time, but here's all my questions and, and let me change how I want to feed data into this to ask all these questions at the same time. Yeah, no, but then then there's a step farther with asking questions. Because if, if, if you had to lay down like a really simple elevator pitch for BI, it's a easy to use technology system that allows you to ask questions and get answers, right? I mean, that's, that's it. Whether your question's in the form of a widget or in some of the BI systems we worked with, natural language processing, they actually have an NLP engine where you can type natural language queries, not SQL queries, but natural language queries and get answers. That's That's been something we've started to see creep into a lot of these systems, right? And, and, it, and it works too. I mean, that's what's really cool about it is it's not just some vaporware. You can ask it, hey, show me show me the, the number of claims in 2017 by state, and it will do just that if you have it set up in the right way. Yeah, so you have to hint your data properly, and you have to name your fields properly. There's there's some setup that, that's going to be done, but when you do it, it gives you the ability to ask natural language questions. And this is something we've, we're seeing with some of the cloud-based search uh, solutions like Amazon Elasticsearch, um, is they give you an NLP search engine as well. Um, the very first time I used natural language search, and the, I'm going old school right now. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? <laughs> yeah, barely. <laughs> so that was an early competitor to Google. Um, I, now, I know you're not a Google fan. You're, you're duck, duck, go, right? <laughs> I am. A little thing called privacy, but that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> you can Google duck, duck, go, and, um, and, and Google will return results for it. They don't block it, believe it or not. But uh, DuckDuckGo is a search engine that does not track you. And uh, Mr. Graham is one of the only people on the planet I know that uses it. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works. So when you, when, I started using Ask Jeeves a long time ago because it was natural language search. It gave you the ability to, uh, to search uh, by just typing in plain English. Like how many widgets did I sell on December 3rd of last year? And it, that's that's what it allows you to to do is is answer those without having to structure your question in a way that's not natural to the English language. And this also lends itself extremely well to voice search through solutions like an Alexa skill. Because when you're speaking to Alexa, you're not speaking in SQL queries, right? You're speaking in natural language. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the integration points that these new platforms allow for. Talk about ease of accessing your data, right? What, what previously took a team of IT professionals, now you can just ask it over your phone or an Alexa-enabled device. Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff that has to come into place to make that happen, though, right? Yeah, it's it's not a silver bullet, right? There is there is a non-trivial cost and, and effort to build these types of solutions. But what you get in the end is just when you've put the work in up front, you get something that's so flexible that you can access your data in a, a natural language way like that, which is incredibly powerful for the decision-making process. Yeah, so a good BI solution has natural language query ability. It's got really good data visualization, right? Charts, graphs, uh, any type of way to visualize your data. And we're seeing some really new creative visualization tools come out through BI, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, more charts than you'd think existed. What's really neat is some of these solutions will even suggest, hey, this is, of course, you can do this as a bar graph, but there's a particular graph that's suited to this kind of, of case of what you're querying for. And they'll recommend this is a better way to visualize your data. Um, Power BI will recommend graph types too to, to try to improve your, your vis, um, visualization experience. Yeah, so you're really getting into data intelligence, not just data reporting. When your when your software starts making recommendations to you, <laughs> your software has transformed itself, right? I mean, it's uh, 
that's saying, hey, look, there's a better way to show this information that people will understand better. And then, you know, the end result is better decision making, right? That's that's what your goal is, is for adjusters and underwriters and insurance execs and brokers, carriers, TPAs, PBMs to make better decisions more quickly using data, not their gut. Exactly. And across all the different parameters that that data provides, it's not just underwriting or anything like that, but even think about like fraud tech detection. Um, you've got the data there to be able to start realizing the trends and, and claim fraud. Very interesting opportunities. Yeah. And in fact, in some of the really cutting edge insure tech firms that are that are not vendors to insurance companies, but are tech companies that have become insurance companies, we're seeing a lot of that being put into play. In particular, and you just hit it, the nail on the head, fraud detection especially fraudulent claims for uh, you know personal lines. We're seeing some fascinating new technology be deployed that says, hey, 99% of the time when someone says this or does this, um, even the way you collect data on a claim, you can ask questions in a particular way and ask the same question in multiple different ways that will very easily root out fraud. And so you're seeing a much lower fraud incident rate. I mean, there's some fascinating um, consequences to this. So let's Let's dive into the individual solutions because we we talked about and we re, we did research on a bunch. Um, the top solution, and we'll just go ahead and, and just you know bottom line up front. Top one that we liked, and this is for embedded analytics, by the way. Embedded analytics is when you take an analytics suite and you embed it in your application, right? It's it's not a a standalone, and, and Power BI has both standalone and embedded. Some solutions are embedded only, and then other solutions are standalone only, like they're desktop only, right? Yeah, that's right. So the top solution we liked for embedded analytics was a solution that we actually hadn't heard of before our research project, Sysense, S-I-S-E-N-S-E. What really made Sysense stand out as the top solution? It's it's a tool that really worked well with the the two folks who are going to be using your your that uh, BI software, your developers who are going and the IT professionals who are actually going to be setting this up, connecting all the data, and your business users who will actually be running the queries and building reports and and trying to make better decisions based on the data. Um, what SciSense is is they they really position themselves as a competitor to Tableau, who's the name you will recognize in this space, right? They've been around for a long time, but um, SciSense really came in, tried to do what Tableau, Tableau was doing, but with a better user experience for both your developers and your business users and um, some some really good performance. Yeah, and, and by performance, you mean query time. Like it was fast to import, it was fast to query, it was fast to build. Yeah, exactly, because these are no like, you know, these aren't running a couple hundred thousand rows through them, right? You want to be testing this out on on millions of actual records to try to process a lot of data and see if you can actually answer a question quickly when you're using, you know, real amounts of data. Yeah, now in a, in a, in a fairly close second place for us was Tableau. Tableau was good, more expensive, and uh, they just got acquired by a little company called Salesforce for a small amount of $15.7 billion. <laughs> There's been a few licenses of Tableau sold, huh? And just a couple of those. Yeah, so Salesforce is really defending their ground, right? I think it's all about that vendor lock-in. Yeah, so they've acquired Tableau and who else? And MuleSoft as well. Yeah, among a, a bunch of other companies. But the, the big ones for insurance companies, because almost every insurance company we work with is on Salesforce and does a lot of Salesforce dev. And they a lot of them use MuleSoft and they use Tableau. Well, now it's all under one root, the whole BI stack, Extract Transform Load, the the CRM system, uh, you know, the Force.com platform, and then your BI and, and, and platform with Tableau. So now it's all under one umbrella. 
Tableau was not our number one. It was a number two, but it was a close number two. We liked using it. It was good to use, a little more expensive. Uh, we didn't, you know, there were some things that we didn't like about it, but still great solution, widely adopted. And now it's going to be really, really, really super wired in to the MuleSoft and Salesforce ecosystem, right? Absolutely. It's a safe bet. You know, they've been around for a long time. They know what they're doing. Um, they have a little bit of that uh, technical debt being a, an older solution, but it, it is the most mature solution for BI. Yeah. And then Google recently acquired, and th- I'll be honest, this acquisition surprised me only because I didn't feel like they were that far along down the road, but they got acquired for $2.6 billion by Google Looker. It's um, likely to fall into the Google Cloud platform. Um, and, and, and Looker was super interesting because it was like BI as code. It's it's different. Different is the best way to describe it. Um, what I can tell you is our developers really enjoyed working with it, and uh, I think it's a developer-focused BI tool. Um, they let you, what you typically do with point-and-click and drag-and-drop, which is much more accessible for business users, you can do really easily with code and Looker, but that that does restrict it to a, a smaller group of users, right? But for your, for your IT folks, for your developers, um, this was a really easy, really refreshing tool to use. Yeah, but you, it, it's definitely a geeky tool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you're 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 deploying it with scripts and code, and it, so it's it's a different. It's not going to be your every man's solution for the organization that can support that. It's a it's a cakewalk, but that, that's a unique organization. Yeah. Now you used an interesting word for Power BI <laughs> that I appreciate and I appreciated in your report and uh, in our prep for this meeting. What is it was fish? What? Well, Fisher Price. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that with Power BI? Power BI is is easy to get the hang of. It's it's relatively easy for for users to get on board with, but it, it is a little bit Fisher pricey. You know, you picture those multicolored playhouses that you've got in your backyard for your kids. Um, Power BI can feel a little bit like that sometimes. We often recommended it as an internal tool. Um, it's it's great if you're not embedding it, and the UX is pretty good for for business folks, but it's a little challenging for developers. It's on the IT side, some of the code you write to actually integrate it is like working with Excel. You and I both understand how, how much of a pain that is. It's really helpful for some folks and it's really painful for others. Is Power BI built on the Excel engine? I think it borrows some aspects of it, yes. And and that's what makes it so familiar for a business user. But it, it does cause some of those limitations as well. Yeah, they share the same DAX language. That's data analysis expressions. And so they, they tried to bring a lot of the familiar queries and language from Excel into Power BI. We found some scaling problems, though, with Power BI, didn't we? Yeah, and and I won't name them, but a, a, a rep from a Microsoft partner that was helping us test this out actually told us, you know, it, it, it just doesn't scale up to these numbers. When we were loading in our, our mock claim data, it was a, a pretty large data set, right? And he said, you know, it, what it comes down to is, is Power BI is packaged with some of those different aspects of the BI process we talked about, right? The ETL engine. What it comes with is is great for smaller data sets, but once you load a lot into there, it really bogs down and you end up having to ditch a lot of what comes packaged with Power BI, replace it with your own infrastructure. And at the end of the day, you're using Power BI and another tool to manage all that data versus a competitor that might have all that rolled into one. Yeah, all in one tool. And the, the one of the last solutions that, that I begs mentioning for insurance companies is Metabase, because this is actually a free open source solution for BI that's fairly easy to plug in to your own in-house app and start using pretty immediately. 
it's a great tool. It's managed by an open source community and and you know what you get with open source software. Um, there's some trade-offs there. It's 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 quite Fisher pricey, even more so than Power BI. It's a simple tool, but it's a tool that you can ask your IT department to spin up. They'll have it running by the end of the day and you can connect it to your data sources and and start generating reports. I mean, talk about how easy that is to start, you know, kicking the tires with BI. Yeah, and that's that's something that we've really enjoyed using it for is when you have an, an insurance organization or a risk organization that has not really leveraged BI, they don't have a huge budget, it's the middle of the year, they can't get out additional allocation, we're like, hey, let's just snap in MetaBase and like let's crack at, take a crack at the database with it and see what you like. And what I like about it is that you can permission the data set, so it pulls your tables in. You can permission the data set and you can say, hey, my claims adjusters get read-only access to these tables with just this type of data. And then they can go to town on building their own dashboards really easily. And I've seen people who are noobs, I mean, complete newbies at getting some of these things done, be able to build uh, dashboards and make better decisions with Metabase straight out of the gate without busting their budget, right? That's got to be the most important part, right? Is how easy is it for you to bring somebody in who's non-technical, give them their data and say, now you can go ahead and and write your own reports, answer the questions you want to ask without needing to involve or delegate this to someone else and to do it quickly and easily. It could be a really phenomenal starter BI system for an insurance organization. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like you said, we're not, we didn't armchair test these out. We we actually used all these tools and, and Metabase is still one I come back to all the time just because it's so easy to bring some data in and, and test it out without, without having to pay for anything. Yeah. And we've actually ended up snapping it into some other solutions of ours, which is really great. You know, we've used yes. it for internal data analysis. I mean, we use Power BI, we use that. We, we, we use a bunch of these tools. Uh, we, you know, not every tool is the right tool for the same different job, right? I mean, so sometimes you have to you have to pick a different tool. Definitely check out Metabase. Now, the buzz phrase that we've talked about in a previous episode of the InsureTech Geek podcast is predictive analytics. And it's really an evolution of a really good ETL process. So you extract, transform, and load all of your data. You get it organized. You put it into a BI system. And then you can start actually trying to predict probabilities of future outcomes. How does that express itself? Predictive analytics, what it really is at the end of the day is a statistical modeling problem, right? This is this is a math problem. And it's and the simplest example that everyone comes to first is um is linear regression, right? Which is just fitting a best fit line to um some properties of your data. So determining, hey, does this set of predictor variables do a good job of of predicting some outcome, right? It's a it's nothing fancy. It's a math problem. Yeah, and that's why we often hire mathematics graduates in computer science departments and companies. Absolutely. Because so much of this is a really complex math problem. Yeah, there's a programming language called R, and that's what's typically used to snap into these BI solutions for your statistical modeling work. R? Just R. The letter R. The letter R. (laughs) Gotta gotta like that. Kind of like C, but different. It's R. (laughs) Gotta love computer scientists and their naming. Exactly. Yeah. At least it's not named after a Greek god, right? That's uh, <laughs> yeah, right. another 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 common one that uh, computer science guys like making. So when you actually are able to leverage these statistical models, you're able to really see trends, trends, outliers, hopefully causality and correlation, things that show you things you might not have or probably didn't come to on your own with your own quote unquote gut feel, right? Exactly, and it's a it's a manual process that really requires some some knowledge um, in the statistical modeling field to be able to actually do this. Another byproduct of more and more people adopting BI 
is that early adopters of machine learning, they're leveraging machine learning, which is when you teach a machine how to learn, right, by, well, frankly, brute force repetition, right? You teach it what a good and bad outcome is, and then it goes through brute force repetition until it finds the causality for that outcome. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, some basic basic definition of machine learning. We're starting to see BI solutions weave in machine learning. Now we're seeing all of them use the two letters that everyone's overusing right now, AI in their marketing, but there's a whole bunch of fake AI out there, right? That's just not AI. AI is a marketing term. Machine learning is a computer science term. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're using AI as a marketing term, but it's just a giant if-then statement behind the covers. Yeah, you got it. They've really functionally built an expert system using conditional statements, and that's not AI. That's not even a subset of AI. That's just conditions. Um, <laughs> it's just a condition statement. Um, and, and so there, there's definitely some actual use of machine learning NBI, where they're analyzing outcomes, they're having, of course, they they require you, the human, to tell them if it's a good or bad outcome, and then they're using machine learning. And some of the solutions that we we did would automatically recommend widgets for your dashboard, saying, "Hey, you've got some problems in an area you didn't ask about. Create this widget. You've got some outliers there that you got to check out." Which that was like my favorite thing. And the first one I got to use in that area was uh, was Power BI as well, where. It was, uh, I forgot what they call it, but it was like a suggestions tool. It, and it allowed you to to really quickly identify areas that you should have a widget for, but don't. <laughs> Which, you know, takes it way beyond that old reporting tool. I mean, you know, it, typically we, we say, and, in, in, you know, as, as computer geeks, we say um, computers are dumb, right? They, they do exactly what you tell them to do. They don't learn, but, it, but this is really taking it to a different level. These are software programs that are recommending criteria and widgets that they were not programmed to uh, to add to your dashboard, right? Yeah, and what you're describing is a, a subset of machine learning called anomaly detection, right? And that's this machine learning algorithm can look at a set of data, determine here's where some reasonable boundaries are on the values for this data, and that these particular values fall far enough outside of those boundaries to be an anomaly. And that's all without a statistician analyzing your data and, and doing those boundaries by hand, right? That's a, a computer recognizing that just by reading tons of data and beginning to understand. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, it expresses itself and, hey, here's some widgets you need to look at because you have outliers or here's here's a, a new report you should add to your dashboard. And you're like, oh, man, I really should do that. I've really enjoyed getting to use BI tools with a lot of my software vendors too because... What, I, what we're seeing with with really common BI systems is like pre-baked integrations. So you don't have to build the integration and then import the data and then do all the ETL work. It's kind of done for you. And so I've really, really enjoyed that aspect of of, uh, of all of this. And then the, the, on the on the data side, that's also been super exciting to get to peel into my data sets and then to get to go into a suggestion tool and be like, hey, uh, what should I add uh, what should I add to this? You know, and that's that. That's also really to me where it just it ends up doing it. And 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 Power BI, by the way, calls it quick insights, um, where it adds significantly more value than just a reporting tool. So BI is a really powerful thing. If you're not using it extensively, you need to get there. To me, like Microsoft Excel was the business tool of the '90s. That if you were going to go into business in the '90s or early 2000s, you really need to know Excel. Um, then it was kind of the access database became an, another really critical one. But to me, it's now Power BI. If you really want to be a power business user, um, go learn Power BI because that'll probably come with your Office 365 subscription and it's a good introduction. That or 
Um, Metabase, you know, get really deep dive into Metabase, which is a free solution you can use. And then if you can get some licensing money from your IT department, then you can jump up into SciSense and Tableau and Looker and all these other tools that allow you to build even more powerful data sets and more powerful reports. Um, these are not cheap solutions, though, Graham. We, we looked at pricing, and the, this is definitely not on the low end on the paid side. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. The total cost of ownership is is not cheap for these. But consider the alternative, which is having your IT department build the same sort of thing, right? I mean, you can you can ask an IT guy, hey, can you build this? And they'll say, yeah, let me spin up a server and write some scripts. And what you end up with is some tool that'll give you those exact reports you asked for six months ago when you first requested it. When you ask for one more report, it'll take them another three months. But when you when you invest up front to build a, a proper BI ecosystem and you have those tools in place, I mean, you, it's as flexible as your business needs are at that point moving forward. Yeah. And result in insurance, claims dashboards, policy dashboards, real-time loss triangles. I mean, there's, there's all, all kinds of beautiful things you can build that help you make better decisions about clients. Uh, and really, what we're seeing is the rise of the modern risk manager that is demanding this type of real-time data from their insurance providers, whether it's carriers or TPAs or brokers. And so you're seeing the really tech-forward carriers, TPAs, brokers get on the ball with this and provide BI solutions to their clients because their clients are starting to ask for this. I even had a risk manager that had SQL Server Enterprise on his desktop and he was he was cranking data and, and building his own stuff because he just wasn't getting it fast enough from his vendors. And you certainly don't want to be behind your client on technology and data reporting, right? Yeah, absolutely not. And it's it's critical to be able to be ahead of that and, and have the the data you need to make decisions in the moment. Yeah. So that's about it. That's a that's BI in a nutshell, as we like to say. Austin Powers, this is me in a nutshell. That's behind a nutshell. There's a lot more to it. We could probably talk for three hours on this, but if you want more information, just go and look at some of these solutions. We talked about SciSense, our number one solution. We talked about Power BI, Tableau, Looker. Um, go and check these out. And you have to really get hands-on, and you have to start actually working. Pump data in, start building reports, start building dashboards, and start looking at quick insights and see about natural language processing and what machine learning you can apply to it. And Really, the the um, there is no bottom to this well. You can just keep going down um, in the area of BI. Um, we think there's a, a pretty bright future for BI coming, and uh, in particular, just in, in an industry that's this data intensive like insurance, uh, an incredible amount of value can be added by being a BI pro. So, Graham, thanks for being on the day. Thanks for explaining the um, the basics. Uh, before I let you go. There's a future to this that looks a little bit different, and it involves something like the brain. You got it. That's uh, artificial neural networks, ANNs. The future to this is what computer scientists have been working on that's that's true machine learning, is neural networks, which work a lot like the brain. Um, the brain has a, an input, and it has many layers and synapses on the inside and some output that comes out, whether it's some type of stimulus that triggers you to to jump if you're scared by something. Um, these these same neural networks can be applied to uh, business intelligence, right? So taking some kind of data in, passing it through these things that are like synapses but simulated with uh, technology, and then create some kind of output. So you, you look at those same um, situations we talked about before, and a, a really good example is uh, photos of damage, right? Think about... Um, a uh, auto policy, you get in an accident and um, you need to document the actual damage to your vehicle. Imagine a, a 
a neural network that's been trained, like you said, with that brute force reinforcement training of, of showing it millions of photos of accidents and saying every time this is a picture of a damaged door, this is a damaged uh, quarter panel, whatever it is, and that neural network being able to take in any photo provided to it and automatically generate a list. You've got minor damage to the bumper. You've got major damage to the side. Imagine being able to shortcut that whole process of the claim to be able to generate that automatically. That's uh, the machine learning that's being worked on right now that'll really drive BI in the future. That's just next level stuff, right? I mean, this is uh, creating artificial brains functionally, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very narrow artificial brains. They do one thing, but they can do it in an incredible way that we just haven't been able to do in human history before. Yeah, and that we just don't have the uh, the chemical processing power to get done ourselves. Yeah, not not doing those in you know, a millisecond being able to, to figure all that out. Wow, great. Well, great discussion, Graham. Thanks again. I appreciate all the work you do, and thanks for being on the show with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, uh, we love talking about uh, insurance. We love talking about tech. Um, it is always exciting to cover complex subjects like this for you. Uh, the Insure Tech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge. That's jbknowledge.com. is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. Thanks for joining us today. Big thanks to Graham Leslie for joining us as well. And I look forward to talking to you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. Talk to you next time.